And it seems like that's an easy fix, but that isn't the fix at all. And one thing churches know, I mean, they know our culture and the, and the way our world is right now. Developing that mindset and the culture of prevention is the first step. Because we've been talking about securing a site for the president or the vice president. And now, the safety zone. Welcome, everyone, to part two of our conversation with Paul Dvorak. In this episode, we take up right where we left off last week. Enjoy. You know, Paul, in saying that, and Mike, you mentioned about the church this morning, the amount of work that the agents have to do and the advance work, the layers that are involved in protecting. And in this case, they're protecting presidents or presidential candidates or dignitaries um, at the UN when they have their international groups come in. I kind of sit back, Paul, and I, I'm just the seriousness of the business that goes into protecting people. And with what Mike does and referencing the church this morning, of course, you know, we're, we don't expect churches or, or schools or organizations to to do what the Secret Service does. But at the same time, the attitude should be the same in, in the desire to want to do everything you can to protect people, right? To protect our children, to protect kids in the school, to protect the kids and the people in the churches, and whether it's from an outside intruder or um, internal. And I, I'm just curious in talking with you and your background, what does that look like for in our practical world of schools and, and churches and businesses to really take that seriously. And, I, and I'm not saying that as a downgrade to the, at all to the church. I think a lot of it is not really understanding the process of it, but in a practical sense, taking what you've learned as a agent in the Secret Service, just, you know, how does that reflect on keeping people and everyday people and kids and uh, communities safe? You're exactly right. A lot of the philosophy that is used at the Secret Service can be can translate into other types of of security. I mean, you're right, not to the level of extent that the Secret Service has to, but you have to address the same type of issues. And and you can certainly make an argument that it may be easier to plan an event, a security, from a security standpoint, an event for the president than it is to plan a security, an ongoing security function for some church, for a school, even for a corporation, just because it's a finite period that a president is at a site. You know, you're, you're, it's 24-7 at some of these other areas, or at least business hours. And, and it's for a longer period of time. And not to mention the assets, which is the, the huge, when we secure a site for the president, we have, it's, it's just countless entities that are pitching in to help it. It, it isn't the Secret Service solely, never has been, never will. It's the local police department and not just departments, but departments. You know, you have the local, you have the county, you have the state police. They all participate in it one way or the other. You have fire departments, not just that one, but the continuous fire departments are assisting all kinds of other entities, specific roles that are taken. And no one says no. It's the president coming to their town. They they have a lot of desire to make that event a safe event. And they're asking, always asking, what else can we do? How much more do you need? Well, that that's not the case in schools and churches and even corporations where budget concerns and, and all of those. So, but the philosophy can still be transferred over. 
we kind of worked under like three rings of security is kind of what we've always developed. Mm-hmm. And to give you a little frame of reference on that, I mean, just because we've been talking about securing a site for the president or the vice president, you have the outer ring that typically, you know, the, the, the president might pass through it, his motorcade or vice president's motorcade may pass through it, but the event isn't held out there. And the outer ring can be different in different places. We talked a little bit about an airport rally. So that would be basically the grounds, the airport grounds. Now that could be, you know, a mile and a half away kind of area. If he's in in a building, that may not be a mile and a half would be the outer ring. So it kind of depends on the site as far as what the outer ring consists of. But from a security standpoint, we rely heavily on the local law enforcement to help protect that outer ring. As a matter of fact, it's predominantly their responsibility. We'll work with them to set up a plan and they basically will execute it. And that would be road closures and you know monitoring the traffic coming in. Uh, that that type of thing. And then the middle ring would be a lot more agents involved in the middle ring. Still would be some police in the depending on the site might be in the middle ring as well. And so it's still very much a collaborative effort devising that plan. And and that's where you're letting typically the, the middle ring is where you're letting participants for the event come in so they need to be vetted obviously with magnetometers but you know might you you'd be do, you would be also conducting some name checks in that area too the folks certainly that are closer to one of our protectees and then the inner ring is solely the detail that's that's working right around our protectee, you know, the vice president of the president. So that would be the agents working the shifts that are right around the president. And then they have a whole series of training and, and everything that they do um, as far as evacuation and everything else that, that they would be well-versed. And there's a lot more to it than that, just kind of running through it. But to translate that philosophy, say, to a school or to a church, would be, you know, the outer perimeter would be likely the parking lot, the outermost area with that that church or that school owns. It can go certainly go beyond that though too. If if there's some businesses that are located nearby that church or school, you would want them to be part of your plan. And so you would it'd be great to contact them, say, you know, look, this is what we would like to accomplish. We want you to be part of it. And these are some things that you're going to be able to obtain if you help us out with this. You know, we'll we'll be looking after your property too, because we can't protect our property without knowing about your property as well. So, you know, we're going to help each other here. So there, there could be a lot of areas that you can work together. So it all depends on the circumstance for sure. And then the inner perimeter would be entrance into the church or the school for this example. So do you want to you you want to have all the doors open? Everybody can enter every door into the facility or do you want to try to at least funnel the people into one one entrance so that you have a better understanding as to who's getting in. This is where visitor management system can take hold so that not only instead of just maybe putting people who can recognize the participants in the, the congregations and also the students and the teachers, but maybe you go a step further in a lot of ways, this is the right way to do it where you don't have just teachers or pastors or volunteers out there greeting people, making sure that they recognize people. Maybe you take another step and 
and you have these people sign in so that you absolutely know who is in your facility at any given time. So there's a lot of things you can do with that inner perimeter to ensure security and and even from an emergency standpoint, who's in that building in case something happens and you can account for everybody. Then the inner ring in, in those type of buildings would be the responsibility, you know, in a school, certainly a, a, a school resource officer would, would be able to take control and, and implement plans that he wants, but everyone's going to participate. And that's what when Mike and I go and talk to some of these schools and churches, that's what we try to encourage them. It, you can't rely on the one school resource officer. He can't be every place all day long. It, it's got to be, uh, he, he's got to be the quarterback in a lot of ways, but, but everyone in that building, teachers, administrators, they, they have to be part of that security plan and they have to know what to do. And, and there has to be some level of training and that can be whatever that organization feels is best, but it's good for them to kind of reach out and try to gain some information and figure out what's good for them. A county school in a rural area is going to be different than than a school in, you know, midtown Manhattan. Their needs are going to be much, much different. So you just have to recognize what they are. But those three rings can be utilized to help secure really any type of building. And even in a corporate phase, it's certainly the same way where you want to know who's entering that building and have some type of training to try to recognize people who who want to do harm. Well, Paul, as we kind of bring this back to where we started, and a couple of thoughts that I had in looking at your career, I know you've led protecting the United Nations sessions. I know you've done this with the Indianapolis 500, which is a huge event here in Indianapolis. And so you've applied this to organizations and or events that are taking place. And I think this goes back to where we started. One of the things that you and I clicked on so well is I went into law enforcement, very prevention minded, you know, even having father state police and grandfather and cousin and brothers and a whole family of law enforcement, I still thought law enforcement was predominantly about preventing things from happening. What I realized very quickly as a street officer is most of law enforcement is reactive. But I think what uniquely positions the Secret Service and an experience that I had the last three or four years in Nashville when I started a program that was all about preventing homicides and domestic violence is your philosophy, this advance work you talk about, these agents jumping on an airplane at midnight night and flying ahead of the protectees and the uh, countless hours and time and labor that goes into, it's all about prevention. I mean, you're uniquely positioned to react. Everybody has seen that. If we look back at President Reagan and when he was shot, we've all seen you're more than well prepared to react, but you're really focused on prevention. And I think that's the philosophy that we want to carry over to organizations is you have to have this kind of prevention mindset, but be prepared if something happens. You're 100% correct. If you 
went around and, and talked to any Secret Service agent, they would tell you the same thing, that the bread and butter of what we do is in the advance work. It is not the folks that we just were talking about necessarily. They have, everyone has a, a very important function, but the folks that you see on TV that are in that inner ring I just talked about, the, the agents that are responsible for that function, they rely 100% on the advance work that was done those five days prior to. So their job should be boring. They shouldn't have to really worry about anything. And the reason that it is or hopefully is boring is because the advance work was done properly. I mean, obviously they train when something were to break down and or if you could have the best advance work in the in the world and still things can happen. But you're 100% right. And that's what's really, really important is building a team aspect and working toward a preventative model, which, and it's funny, you, you and I, Mike, have had numerous conversations about this and the reaction for school security. I think we both agree it's moving a little bit away from it, but, you know, when it, it was a little... During the periods when you have some school shootings and it's this jump to this reactionary type solutions and, and you and I would chuckle at this and say, I understand why people do that. And it seems like that's an easy fix, but that isn't the fix at all. It is working steps in reverse, trying to figure out how can you prevent it before it gets to that. It isn't the, the people running down the halls with the guns at that point. That That's not the answer. How do we prevent it? Numerous steps back. And that, that needs to be the mindset of folk. And sometimes you don't see that. And it's 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 really really a shame that that some people can't grab that concept. But what's great about today, there's tons of technology out there that can help you. And I don't mean like the the flashy, you know, the shiny nickel kind of technology. There's just some basic, really good technology as far as knowing the people that are in your building, ways that you can prevent it. I, I know that your organization, Mike, you guys are working on geofencing and, and stuff like that. It's not necessarily going to prevent a specific. It certainly can. But what it, what it does is it's just another layer that it's almost like you think of it as, as a kind of a cobweb, you know, where a spider's web, where it's just another area that somebody can get trapped in. And if you put enough of those out there, then, then you're more likely to uncover something that you maybe couldn't see through another lens. But, but you're absolutely right. And I like the idea. I think. I'm more optimistic now than I than I was even when when Mike and I first met and started talking. I I see things going more to a preventive. We're not there yet for sure, but I, I see people recognizing the value of that, and so it, it makes me optimistic for schools and churches in the future to start implementing some of these things to help to target some of this and recognize some some areas of concern long before they become a tragedy. And it's so it's so important when we think about prevention in general and I think a lot of it is is education, right, Mike? And especially with our churches, I know in in many cases I know it's easy to have an attitude of oh gee, the odds of something happening or you know sometimes I mean we want it's not the the heart not being right, but I think a lot of times just not really a full understanding, correct, of yeah. of what the preventive measures are and why they need to do that. And the reality in our world is that 
you know what? Anything can happen anywhere. And one thing churches know, I mean, they know our culture and the, and the way our world is right now is <laughs> it's sliding more down than, than I would say upward, right? In the, in the sense of um, criminal activity and, and all sorts of various things that are concerning, you know, for keeping children safe, especially. So a lot of it is education, isn't it, Mike? I think education is the foundation. And I think what we found in 15 plus years of doing this type of work, for me, probably 25 plus years, education is the key. And we don't even have a sales team. I'm 15 years into this company and I don't have anybody with a title of sales because we don't just sell, we educate. And, and most of what we do when we're talking to prospects is really educating them on all things related to this. You know, it's easy to chase what Paul just coined the shiny nickel. And boy, believe me, if you're a church, if you're a school, if you're a company, there's shiny nickels, there's shiny COVID nickels flying around today. Everything, the real solution is going to be a vaccine, but man, they're selling everything you can imagine that's COVID related. So you can see when these events happen, you get all these companies that kind of quickly develop these products and many of them will not move the needle one iota in terms of safety and security. And so understanding prevention works, I think, is the first step. And if we had more time, Paul and I have done a couple webinars on the most recent Secret Service Guide that came out last fall of 2019. Mm-hmm. And if there's one high-level takeaway, prevention works. Their director of the Secret Service makes that bold statement that these school shootings are preventable. And what, what does that mean? Well, to develop this prevention mindset is more really sweat equity is what I would say. A lot of it just involves learning and then making application of this in your organization. So it requires a little work on your end as opposed to just buying a lot of things. So we really push, push, push organizations to develop it when they're selecting security leaders or in a church who's leading that security team. Sometimes that's a volunteer, depending on the size of the church. Sometimes it's a full-time position. But I love police. But just simply taking a retired police officer and putting them in charge of security at your church or school doesn't necessarily mean they have a prevention mindset because unless you're a specially trained police or or law enforcement like the Secret Service or in a special unit like I was or a school resource officer that has specific prevention training, 90 plus percent of law enforcement still has more of a reactionary mindset. And so they're just going to bring that same mindset to the organization. So developing that mindset Set and the culture of prevention is the first step because no matter what we apply after that, if you don't have that mindset, none of this stuff is really going to be very effective. I agree. And, and just another point along that those lines, it's interesting, like Mike and I would go to some of these schools and, and we would point out and, and we would actually make a concerted effort to is we would point out things that a school could do that won't cost them a nickel. And, and there's a lot of things that now there's areas that we feel pretty strongly. And I mentioned it a little bit earlier about leveraging technology. I mean, there's some certain areas that we think are pretty important to do that and take advantage of that. But there's like Mike was just saying there, there's a lot of areas where it's just sweat equity. If you're willing to 
to put the time into it. But there's there's things that won't cost churches or schools or, or even corporations anything if they're just willing to do some of these things. So we always want to leave that with people's thinking, well, we don't have the budget for this. Well, you probably don't for some of the things, you know, you sh- you certainly don't for the shiny nickel that because these people, like some of that stuff is money grab and, and they're awfully expensive. So some of those solutions, we get, Mike and I were irritated when we see that stuff because people can't afford those or if they if they can they they really or if they do buy them maybe they really couldn't afford them and they do and then it, it doesn't move the needle and it sets a bad taste in their mouth and then they don't want to do anything beyond that and and it's a real shame so then they have these vulnerabilities that never get addressed so it, we like going and educating um we we mentioned that phase and it's fun to walk through these schools and point out some things that they they aren't doing that doesn't cost them anything to start doing and their eyes kind of light up where like oh we never thought of that 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 is a good idea so it's interesting to, to go in with that preventative mindset and and try to help some of these organizations that their teachers, their pastors, they they don't know anything about this, nor should they. And to be honest, they don't want to know much about it. They're kind of forced to know something about it. So if they can rely on some experts in that area to help them out, that's that's actually a good way to go so that they can concentrate their efforts where, well, where their prime business is and what they really want to do and leave security to other people or develop a plan and put it in place and hopefully not have to worry a lot about it. Paul, what a rich conversation. And and I have to say, would you be willing to come back? Because I think there's so much more and we sure appreciate you being here today and your expertise. And, you know, you said sweat equity. And of course, Mike's just really driving home the prevention aspect for schools and churches and and companies. And the reality is, like you said, even with pastors or or educators, they're not going to know about those things and, and not necessarily do they need to know every detail but what they do need to have is is the desire and understanding that of the responsibility of keeping their people safe to the best of their ability and so being able to be educated and, and to just have the the heart quite honestly to see that that is also a part of of the mission that is being undertaken so as usual, Mike, another rich conversation that we could just keep going. But thanks to both of you. And uh, we look forward to another another podcast with you, uh, Paul, in the near future. Oh, happy to. Yep. Thanks, Paul. Pleasure being with you guys. Yep. Thank you. You're welcome. This podcast is sponsored by Safe Ministry Solutions, which offers a 360 security solution that keeps your church, your congregation, and your ministry safe.